Chapter 4 of The Browns at Mount Hermon by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 A New Miss Brown. Before the arrival of that remarkable letter, Miss Brown had spent a number of hours in the six roomed cottage at Circleville. She had found, first of all, a little old fashioned garden aglow with old fashioned flowers, larkspurs, and sweet williams, and balm, and honeysuckle. She had loved them all the moment her eyes rested on them. They were associated with Nurse Borland and happy childhood days. There had been a little old garden in the country where she and Nurse Borland spent some happy weeks the summer that father was ill and mother went abroad with him. Some of those very flowers were blooming in this garden. Mary Brown, as she bent over them with a rush of tender memories dimming her eyes, told herself that at least she would see to it that Nurse Borland's grave should always glow with the flowers she had loved. She had gone carefully through the tiny house, examining with growing homesickness and wistfulness every article of furniture. What a complete little house it was! What a cunning dining-room! Old-fashioned braided rugs on the floor, old-fashioned high-backed chairs, an old-fashioned deep-leaved table covered with a heavy linen home-woven spread, a tiny corner closet stocked with old-fashioned blue dishes, willow pattern. Could anything be prettier or more complete? "'Dishes enough to serve meals for two, and even to have a guest,' she said, gazing wistfully up at them. "'If Nurse Borland could only have understood how much I should have enjoyed sitting with her at this table, drinking tea out of this blue cup. Why must things always come afterwards?" She had lingered in the little house, unable to get away from the home-like place. She assured herself that, for some reason, it looked and felt more like home to her than any place that she had been in for years, and it was hers. If there were only another, sufficiently a kindred spirit, to be summoned to spend a few weeks with her in this little house, among those lovely rollicking flowers, she knew that she should like it better than any outing that could be planned. Two people, she had said again wistfully, as having visited all the rooms, she reached the little dining-room again, and sat down by the two-leafed table to consider. She went over her circle of friends one by one and dismissed them, none of them quite fitted in with the little house. She had locked the door at last, and pocketed the key. She had changed her mind about returning it to the agent. The house was hers, and she had a right to the key, and a perfect right to keep the place untenanted if she chose. She had a foolish little feeling that she should like to choose the tenants and she smiled at her folly, and wondered what her business agent and sometime guardian would think of such an idea. He was not to hear of it, that was some comfort. Her folly had already been sufficiently impressed upon him in taking a long journey for the sole purpose of looking up so insignificant a bit of property as this. Of course the guardian was never to know about Richard Wade and the decision that must be reached. No, that was reached. She had clear vision now. Just why she could not have told, but as she sat before that little dining-table and mentally set the blue willow patterned dishes in order for two, she became absolutely certain that Richard Wade could never, never be the other one. And if not he, then nobody, of course, in that sense. She must be different from other girls. Well, one thing was certain. She should never marry unless she was sure beyond the shadow of a doubt that she could not live without that other one, and also that she could live with him. Always to have him seated opposite to one at table, for instance, three times a day, she said to herself, and thought of Richard, and shuddered. Certainly she was not like other girls and could not help it, but could be honest. But the fancy to find a tenant for that dear little six-roomed house stayed with her and colored her movements for the remainder of the day. Just how she was to accomplish it was by no means clear. It was of no use to run over her list of even nominal acquaintances for this. No maidservant of her employ, or within her knowledge, fitted into the place. She smiled at her folly and clung to it. Having spent a somewhat restless night at the Circleville Hotel, she was surprised to find in the morning that her interest in the little house was as keen as ever, 
and her desire to people it was even stronger. She would certainly withdraw it from the local agent's hands, but there seemed to be nothing else that she could do. And then had come that interesting letter, and the interesting interview connected with it, and now the remarkable decision. She would go to Mount Hermon, wherever that was, and become Mrs. Roberts's handy young person, who was willing to do whatever was wanted. "'What a lovely name,' she said, lingering over the words. "'Mount Hermon, it makes one think of heaven. What if I should find a new atmosphere there? I have heard of summer meetings where people thought at least that they found something new. You need something new, Mary Brown, entirely new. I approve of your decision to go in search of it. I wish I could settle the little house first. Wait, why would not the other Mary Brown and my friend John Jackson be the ones to people it? He would do, I am sure, and it would help him to get forehanded. But I must know the other Mary first, and there is not time now to make her acquaintance. It will not do to be later than the twelfth. When my summer experience is over, I will return here, and give myself to setting up the Jackson family, perhaps." She laughed at the folly of her own thoughts, a more gleeful laugh than was common to her. Already the feeling that she was about to become a new Mary Brown, one with whom she had not even a speaking acquaintance, had awakened her interest and energy. Visions of the trim second girl, who did her housekeeper's bidding in her city home, and always looked tastefully dressed in her neatly made, carefully laundered print dresses, roused this new Mary Brown's ambition to emulate her, and hastened her departure from Circleville that very afternoon. She determined to take a train at once for the nearest city, and spend a few hours in replenishing her wardrobe, with Jessie the table-waiter for a pattern. Moreover, a satisfactory letter must be written to her business agent, remembering always that he had been her guardian and was her father's lifelong friend, and that therefore explanations not strictly connected with business were his due. It took time and skill to write a satisfactory letter. How much could she tell without really telling anything? When the task was accomplished, the letter ran as follows. My dear guardian, I had no trouble in finding the place or the cottage. It is in very good condition and needs no present attention of any kind. There is not, however, much opportunity for renting it at present. This is a very quiet little village where the people, I fancy, rarely move. I should like to find someone who would like to live in it as a caretaker and keep it in its present order in memory of my dear old nurse. I may be able to do something of that sort later. Meantime, I have met friends who have changed all my summer plans. Instead of coming home at once, as I had arranged, you will be surprised to hear that I am going to California. I am to be with a Mrs. Roberts, whom I do not think you have met. She summers at a charming place called Mount Hermon, in honor, I suppose, of the place of sacred memory bearing that name. It is said to be a delightful place for a summer home, the people chiefly living in tents, which you will remember as a hitherto ungratified ambition of mine. I shall be able to tell you in the fall whether or not it is as delightful as I have imagined. Kindly forward my mail to the address which I shall enclose, and have the goodness not to mention my whereabouts too particularly to any of my acquaintances who are planning to cross the continent. Being in camp I shall not be in condition to entertain them, and it might save my hostess some embarrassment if passing acquaintances do not find me too readily. You will understand the situation, I am sure." "'I am sure you won't,' she told herself gleefully as she signed and addressed the letter. "'What I mean is that you will think you do.' She felt jubilant. The entirely new departure she had planned took hold of her imagination and enthusiasm. "'I am actually running away,' she said gaily. Not one of the people whom she dreaded would be likely to find her after that hint to her guardian. He knew very well that there were some from whom she would not even care to receive letters. As for Richard Wade, business called him to London for the summer, and he had wanted her to go with him. She drew a long, relieved breath over the thought that he could not follow her to California. Then she looked serious over the letter she must write him. It was hard that she could not keep him for a friend, but she was afraid that she could not. Still, who could tell what this strange new summer might have in store for her? She might find a real friend. "'If I do,' she told herself, 
I will bring her back to Nurse Borland's cottage for October, and we too will drink tea together from Nurse Borland's blue teacups. The journey started out in an auspicious manner. The young woman who had run away made herself ready for it, so as to look commonplace and unconspicuous as possible. At least she thought so. She had carried out her proposed program to the letter, leaving Circleville by the late train and stopping at a little western city two or three hours distant, where she found the shops brilliantly lighted, ready to catch the tourist trade. This shopper had never realized, and did not at that time, how much her careful street toilet, with every garment of the richest yet most appropriate kind, had to do with the deference shown her by discerning salesmen and women. She did not at first understand the almost persistent determination of the bewildered clerks to show her only the richest and finest of their goods. At last she smiled on a bright-looking girl behind the notion counter and took her into semi-confidence. I am trying to fit out a young woman, a friend of mine, who is going to work in a boarding house this summer. It is at an outing camp in Northern California, and she has nothing whatever that is suitable for such a place. She is just about my size, and whatever will fit me will do nicely for her. I wonder if you would help me." Yes, indeed she would. She would like nothing better. After that work went on swiftly. The young saleswoman brought her keen, well-trained wits to bear upon the subject, and became a most efficient ally. She flitted from counter to counter, and from one department to another, in eager desire to have this unknown and fortunate girl secure as complete an outfit as possible. At first she was anxious. "'Oh, dear, yes,' she said. "'That dress would be lovely for her for afternoons when she had a chance to dress up, but isn't it too expensive? It is quite fine, you see. And she could get along without it, of course, because that pale blue one is a good afternoon dress, and it doesn't cost half so much as this.' "'Oh, I think she will need this, too,' said the shopper, flushing over her ignorance. The price of the dress in question seemed to her ridiculously low. There will be a good many people where she is going, and she will need to look neat all the time. It will take a number of dresses. Besides, she may have opportunity to attend some of the lectures." Then seeing the puzzled, almost troubled look on her helper's face, she had advanced a step in her confidences. "'I am fitting her out myself. She doesn't have to pay any of the bills, and I want her to be neatly and appropriately dressed all the time. I shall be glad to have you make any suggestions that occur to you." The troubled face had cleared, and the response had been eager. "'Oh, all right, ma'am. I shall just love to help fit her out. Isn't she a lucky girl, though?' "'Forward, Miss Brown,' a voice had called from the lower counter, and the helper had made prompt answer. "'Miss Brown can't. She's awfully busy.' The shopper regarded her with added interest. Here was another Miss Brown. "'And still another development of us, I think,' she told herself, as she watched the movements of the alert, eager girl. If I should ever have that house-party I am planning, I should like to have her come. I believe she could be made to fit in wherever she might be wanted. I wonder if her name is Mary." But no, a girl at that moment caught at her dress with a hurried half-whisper, "'Say, Jenny, where's the pattern counter? I can't find it.' She was Jenny Brown, then. Jane. "'It might be Mary Jane,' the shopper told herself, and laughed. The girl laughed, too, in sympathy. She was having a good time. Later, while Miss Brown was studying over a suitable traveling wrap, the new Miss Brown gave an undertone account of her unique experience to the girl at the rubber counter. "'I'm having an awfully jolly time. She is fitting out a girl to do summer work in a boarding-house at some swell camp, and the way she is piling on the clothes is a caution. I'd like to have her fit me out to get married. There will be an awful bill, but I don't believe she will care. She looks as though she belonged to the kind that is used to them. I just wish I was the girl who was going to get the things. I know that. Do you suppose she is any relation to her, or just someone she is interested in? Say, don't you wish she was interested in us?' "'Where is this camp?' the girl ventured to inquire at last, when she had given wise advice as to shoes and a sun-hat and a sun-umbrella. On being told, she dimpled with delighted surprise. "'Well, now, isn't that the greatest? I'm going out there myself in September. 
I'm to have my three weeks' vacation, then, and a cousin of mine who is waiting on table up there for her room and board has got me the chance for September, because she's going back to college. My cousin is a college girl. I thought of her when you were talking about fitting up your friend for a summer camp, but land! I never dreamed that it was the same place. Don't things happen queer sometimes? Perhaps I shall see your friend out there." "'Perhaps so,' Miss Brown had said, but she had felt a trifle startled, and had offered no more confidences. The world was smaller than she had realized. End of chapter 4